Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lord, I come to you tonight, dear Lord, with a sort of special talk. Lord, I would like to cover some information, dear Lord, to help your people. Lord, from you, I just would like to review it with them and the understanding of the way the words that you present it with. In particular, I want to review the Psalm 23 that David spoke with you in the way of the words that you taught him. And Lord, the reason I want to bring this is because we're in a time where the war is about to come. And Lord, the people do not understand how evil the people are that's against them, and they don't understand that their own kings, their own leaders, their own government, their own military, their own people are against them. And Lord, they've used sources and abilities, dear Lord, to gather every kind of enemy that they could bring against us. Beyond the fact that from the beginning of the day of the Lord, back in 2003, when the words were first opened, that marked the beginning of the day of the Lord as is described in Zechariah 14.7 and confirmed in Psalm 119.130, as well as Hosea 6.5, where judgments come like light. And you told us, dear Lord, in John 12.48, that the, uh, we'll be judged by the words of God that you were sent into the world to speak. So, Lord, we're at this time, and problem is, Lord, that they don't understand the, the, just the trouble that they're against. And they don't understand how to overcome it. And that's the part that I really want to talk tonight with you, Lord, and please ask you to confirm this to the people and to begin to understand what to do. Lord, they think that they're ready to fight against these things. And most of them, dear Lord, don't even understand these things are coming. But dear Lord, there's been many prophets that you've given visions and dreams and many people that you've given dreams and visions, dear Lord, of tsunamis. Dear Lord, you gave one to me also, as well as, dear Lord, you showed me a bomb going off behind a harvest field in the time the harvest was ready. And Lord, the people don't understand, dear Lord, this tsunami that came, dear Lord, I was, you showed, I was in Texas, but you showed me, dear Lord, in Ohio, dear Lord, that the, the tsunami came all the way to this house I was in. And dear Lord, it was higher than the house, maybe double. And that means it was at least 100 feet high. And Lord, it was from the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean to Ohio that this tsunami came. But Lord, you showed me something marvelous in that vision. Tonight, I'd like to talk about that. But dear Lord, it goes along with Psalm 23, and it goes along with these people of this day need to understand. Lord, you told them in John 5, 24, that if they would hear your voice, and your voice speaks the words of God, as you testified to in John eighteen thirty seven, as the the Father foretold in Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen and nineteen, dear Lord, that He would send you into the world to speak His words, not your words, His words, dear Lord. And God only speaks in holy words; those words set apart in a pure language in the kingdom of heaven. 
And dear Lord, we've spoken many times about the, the language and the words. I'm not going to go into that tonight. I want to talk about what to do. But Lord, in this thing, and in John three twenty six to 36, the, John the Baptist, not knowing the words, but speaking the prophecy, just like the people of this day, they don't understand the words, but they speak the prophecies you put into them. And Lord, these prophecies are showing them this tsunami that's coming. But what they're not seeing is what to do about it. And Lord, one of the great things in the tsunami you showed me is that, dear Lord, you had it come up to the back of my house, but it didn't break it. And then, dear Lord, it started moving back towards the Atlantic Ocean. And dear Lord, when that occurred, when the troubles were over, when that occurred and the water started receding, a very interesting thing happened. As it was receding and the trees were being uncovered, the trees had leaves, green leaves. Lord, the, the storm had not, not, had not knocked the leaves off the trees. Lord, it's very important to understand that, dear Lord, that the New Year trees comes, dear Lord, at, I think it's Shabbat 15. That's the second month of the winter. And that's when, dear Lord, it's also the time of the almond branch. When it when it starts to blossom and the almonds begin to blossom, the flowers begin to come out. And Lord, you told us in the scriptures that that is when you're ready to perform your word. But dear Lord, we are trees before you. And when we turn to you, you're ready to perform your word. If we're ready to receive it. Because, Lord, you told us in John 5, 24, that if we will believe in your voice and believe in the promises of the Father, that your words unlock. Because you said, dear Lord, many good works of the Father I've shown you. How did you show them? You either did the way of the words or you spoke the way of the words, and the works were done for you. Just like it says in John fifteen seven, if we abide in your ways, in other words, we abide in the way that you showed us, and abide in the words of God that you came to make known, then whatever we desire will be done for us. People don't understand this and why it's so critical to them at this time. They see bombs going off, cities destroyed, bodies everywhere. They see the tsunami coming and the great destruction. But dear Lord, in Revelation 12, 15 to 17, you tell us something marvelous. You tell us, dear Lord, in verse 16, that if, if, if we have the woman in us, dear Lord, if we come out to the wilderness at this time, come out of the way of the cities of the world, and come to the wilderness where we'll find the wisdom of God. Dear Lord, that doesn't mean run away to some city. It doesn't mean run away to some wilderness. It means come out of the world as you told us to in John seventeen seventeen, and receive the words of God that sets us apart from the world. We can be in the middle of Manhattan and be set apart from the world and that tsunami can't touch us. The tsunami can't touch us. Dear Lord, we pray that the people begin to understand, dear Lord, that all things are created and are controlled and are consisted by the words that you speak. The words of God that have authority over all things because it says in Isaiah 55, 11, that when the Father sent his words out to do a work, they will never come back to him void. The problem that we have is we have no right to call upon these words in the time of judgment when we have not received them, when you called us to receive them. When the words are made known, we're required to hear those words, as it said in Deuteronomy 18, 19. If we will not hear those words, 
God will hold us into account, which means that we will have a famine of his words come upon us. Lord, you told us in Colossians, Paul teaches it in other places, that up until this time, the helper is here. It's working. The spirit, that people think they got the spirit because they hear of miracles and everything else. But Lord, they forget that there's a time when all those who use these miracles, use the spirit and all those things called upon it, the right to call upon it be taken away because they would not discern the words. And at that time, they will be judged as lawless being of the father, the devil. And that means the devil has all authority to attack with them, as it says in Revelation twelve seventeen, In twelve sixteen, those with the words, the devil goes away from them because he has no authority to overcome those who are protected by the words, like you said in John five twenty four. In John five twenty four, you said they will pass through these judgments. The devil will try, but he cannot stop them. He'll send the best that he's got against them. But it'll be like the men in the fiery furnace. You'll be with them. The words will be with them. That's the same as having you there because it says in John 3.34 that all of God's words, the set-apart words that God gives to those who set themselves apart from the world, John 17.17, 17, come with the full measure of the Spirit of God. And they come with eternal life, the promise, eternal life. In other words, we should not, we, first off, we must have a heart that says we desire to be in the kingdom of God, whether it's here on earth or in heaven. But we want eternal life. That's the most important thing. We want to live with the Father and the Son. So we want to do his work, whatever his work is for us. And his work may be that you go somewhere and testify like the disciples. However, at this day, for the glory of God, he says that we will pass through these judgments and have eternal life. God is trying to do what he did with Moses when he said, speak to the rock, don't hit it. We're to speak it in humbleness, with righteousness, and a desire for peace. If we have that formula and understand that formula from our heart, we'll overcome all these things. Not worrying about what will happen to us. Just believing that we're going to do the will of God and whatever that will is, it's going to be done. But do not show fear. See, there's good examples of this. Let's go look at this Psalm 23 and we'll get an understanding. And maybe you've never looked at it this way. This is a song of David. A song of David is, is sung because we're bearing witness like a flower before God. And we're praising, you know, the flowers in paradise all sing. Rivers sing because they're testifying to the words of God. Stones can cry out, as Jesus said, when he was entering the city, if the people hadn't done what the Spirit was guiding them to do. But, see, we had the former rain, but now we can get the latter rain, which is the full measure of seven spirits of God. That's a different spirit. That's a full, powerful spirit. But we haven't even had the Spirit of God in us. We think we do. It's with us. But as it says in Matthew seven twenty one to 23, there's many there that are going to be, they're going to be said to them, depart from me. I never knew you because you're lawless. Yet they called on the name of the Lord. They believed in the blood. They did all those things. What they do wrong? They would not hear. That's why Jesus kept chastising, why you, Lord, kept chastising your disciples. Where's your faith? 
Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the words of God. Romans 10, 17. Very clear. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And he told those people in John 8, 43 to 47, you can't understand my speech because you will not discern my words. And that because of that, you have the father, of your father, the devil, because it was their judgment time. They are an example to us. We are at our judgment time. And we should take that example and listen to what Jesus said very clearly. You're of your father, the devil. And then he added that those who will not hear the words of the father are not of God. That's basically what he said in John eight forty seven, And the disciples walked with him for three and a half years, but in Luke 24, 44 and 45, it says very clearly, after he told them the words, because he was allowed to after paying the purchase price of the blood, that's why he nailed that, that restriction to the cross with his blood. Now the temple veil is torn. We don't have to go to a priest to get the knowledge of the words now. Because, see, that's what the people back at the Mount Sinai said. Oh, don't speak to us, Lord. Speak through uh, uh, somebody else. Speak through Moses. Speak through the priests. Speak through them. But the priests have let us down because they never kept the words and would not hear them. And they wouldn't seek them out. They don't want to know what were the words that made creation. How is the creation account in Genesis 1 done by his words? As Jesus said, he made all things by his words. How is it done by the words when we don't look to see what those words are? They're explained in Genesis 1, but we don't want to understand them, so we can't understand the Bible. And so after the words were opened, Luke 24, 44, and 45, to the disciples, they were able to understand the scriptures. See, when the words are open to them, when the Spirit enters them and they begin, the Spirit of truth begins to open up the knowledge of the words to them, he'll, they'll cause, the Spirit will cause them to know his words, Proverbs 1, 23. And so the Spirit went to work in them, and so when Jesus taught them the words, they were able to understand it finally. And by that, they were able to understand the scriptures. The scriptures are unlocked by the one pure language, the pure language of the kingdom of heaven, which is the words of God. There are words that are in every language of the earth, but they're set apart as holy unto God because they unlock the promises that are in the Bible. Simple words like truth, night, day, light. We don't understand that. The morning, evening, so on. They all have meanings. Water, bow, you know, they all have meanings. The, the, uh, in, in David's song, see, he's praising the Lord. And he's speaking, when he's saying a song of David, David was a song of David. David always speaks in the ways of the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. So we can understand when it says the song of David, that he's speaking about this. It's like when he says there's a psalm of Moses, Psalms 90. This is a psalm of Moses, a man of God. So we know that he's speaking in a pure language of God because he's communicating this by the word of God, by the, the language of God. It's filled with the Spirit. All the scriptures are filled with the Spirit. If we understand his words, they'll unlock for us. Now, it says here, a song of David, the Lord is my shepherd. If he's his shepherd, the Lord is his shepherd, as he, you know, he taught, as it says in Proverbs 4, he taught Solomon these things. And go to Ecclesiastes 12, 11, and you see that Solomon is writing that the words are like goads spoken by the one shepherd. Jesus told us no one's good but God. We don't understand what good means. <laughs> good is the works of God that are enabled by the words that are open. Those works 
can never be broken. That's why they're called good. They never fail. And so David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Others, the Lord has guided me by his words so I can overcome the world because his words made all things. All things consist in them. So if the words are taken away, as it says in John 9, 4, 5, everybody's been able to do miracles. Everybody's been able to do these things. But there is a famine of the words coming upon all those who are not set apart by the words. John seventeen seventeen. Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, Father, require the people to be set apart by the words in the end time. That's what he's saying. Read it and you'll discern that. And he tells us that in John 9, 4, 5, in the last day, in that night of the last day, and we're in the last year of the night of that day, the Lord says that the light is going to go out of the world. What is the light? Entrance of his words gives light. So the absence of light is the absence of his words. Amos 8, 11, 14 says there's a famine of his words coming. Revelation 6, 5 to 6 says there's a famine of his words that are coming. Nobody wants to believe it. They don't know what those words are. It's not a famine of the Bible. He didn't say he's going to take the scriptures away. The Bible's going to be there, but you will not be able to interpret these words. You will not be able to call upon them. And when you do discern those words and you come back to knock in the door, because, see, the marriage supper of the Lamb is for us to come in and eat the bread of instruction of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the words that are within us. So if we do not enter that marriage supper of the Lamb, we will not be given the bread of instruction and know the words and that marriage supper of the Lamb is not some great feast that's up in heaven at this time. It's here on earth. We will be going up to heaven and having a feast there. But that's not yet. We first must fulfill the scriptures to overcome the world. Revelation 15, 1-4. We must do that before we are made spotless and ready to go up to heaven. That's what he's saying in the, the mystery of the church, mystery of the called out assembly. Ephesians 5, 25 27 and verse 32, Paul writes about it. In Revelation 19, 1 to 11, this is when the people are still on earth. They're having that married supper. They're having that, they're putting on the refinement. It tells you in Daniel 12, 9 to, 9 to 10, that the refinement, it says that there, we will be purified, we'll be made white, we'll be refined. That all has to occur before we can be raptured. Before we, it's actually a translation. We're going to be translated up to heaven. And then we'll be coming back with the Lord. But there is a time where we go up for a period of time to be taught by the Lord even deeper. So, but we have a time yet before these things end. And right now is the time of the end of the fifth beast kingdom. By winter time, this winter, this should be it that the fifth beast kingdom falls. Every year, the Lord has been calling us to come out since 2003 and we failed. Now we have all this bad stuff coming. So what I'm trying to talk to you about is what to do about that. What can you do to, to survive a tsunami? What can you do when, when the waves are coming so strong against you? What comes against you? Read Psalms 23 and begin to understand that Psalms 23 is written in the way of the words. And it's telling you the power of one who's walking in the way of the words. With authority. Remember what he says in John fifteen seven: If you abide in my way and you abide in my words... Whatever you desire be done for you. Do you want to walk through that um, want to walk through that tsunami and survive it? If it comes upon you, if the world brings this upon you and they have the ability and technology to do it, do you want to survive it? Do you want your family to survive it? You better get the words before this because you cannot get them at that time. It's too late. 
You can't learn knowledge of God in a download, Isaiah 28, 9 and 13. It must be learned line by line, precept upon precept. You better start now because this stuff's coming quickly and you have very little time to get prepared. He told us we could get prepared in a, in a sacred assembly, if we will call it, in Joel 2, 12 to 20. And at the end of that, if we do what he tells us, and it starts with we have to be sanctified first. Then we can have a sacred assembly. Sanctified is John seventeen seventeen tells you that to be sanctified, we've got to be set apart from the world by his words. If we get the knowledge of his words, call a sacred assembly. At the end of that assembly, the Father says, I will hear them. Just like he will hear the men in Nineveh. And they're up in heaven watching us right now because we're in a men in Nineveh time frame. The winter's coming. And he told us in Matthew 24, don't let your flight be in the winter. And we're in the last year of the night. He tells us in John 9, 4, 5 and in Luke 17, 34 that the separation judgment will happen in the night. There is a separation judgment that we do not know the day and the hour of because it's set by the Father. He would have moved it up. That's why we don't know it. But Jesus told us if we're following the scriptures and we haven't done what we should, we should at least know the season. And he's telling us a season in Matthew 24, on uh, 19. Now, Matthew 24, 20 and uh, Mark 13, uh, 18. Mark 13, 18, Matthew 24, 20 tells us, do not let it be in the winter. And he tells us in Matthew 24, 20, don't let it be on a Sabbath. We're in the Sabbath. We're in the Jubilee year. That was a big mistake on ours. By the fact that he didn't do it in Mark 13, they didn't include it there, means that we still have a chance. We should have been out by now because we've entered the Jubilee year, which is a Sabbath. We should have been out before last year because it was the 49th year, which was the Sabbath. Okay. David goes on and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I shall not want. First to understand that if you have the words and you have John 15, 7 and you understand it and you have authority over the words because it tells you then John 14, 15 to 17, the spirit of truth cannot enter those who are not set apart from the world. If you're set apart by, from the world, which is the only way that the Bible tells us to do that is John 17, 17, which is by his words. They will get understanding, as it says in Psalms 119, 130. By that, you'll be able to understand what to do. You'll have the wisdom, which is the words of God, the words of wisdom, and you'll have the understanding of the promises that they enable. And as we go through the Psalms 23, it tells you how to avoid a tsunami. He goes, I shall not want. That's the first thing. And then he tells you, it causes me to lie down in green pastures. Please understand that David is a good example of this is when he went to, uh, I think it was Ziph, I, I believe it was Ziph, uh, no, Harith, in um, 1 Samuel 22. He's running away from Saul because remember when he, he fled from Saul and, and he went and uh, at Nob and he uh, ate the bread and they let him have the uh, Roman Thunamun, I think it is called, and inquired of the Lord. See, that guy, those priests told the truth to uh, Saul. And the truth is that, hey, look, David, they didn't know any different. They knew that Saul was looking for him. But David was the commander of Saul's armies. So they had this belief that Saul needed David. And so they have a right to call upon the Lord. He even told them that. He, wanted to, he gave him Goliath's sword that was there, that David had taken from Goliath. 
And he let him eat the, the bread. David went and took the bread because the bread is holy bread. It has the way of the seven spirits of God. And David needed that instruction in each one of his men. And he gave them all a piece of that bread. He fed them that bread because that bread is just like in John 6. It causes them to desire to know the will of God and made them strong. And so they stayed with David. Even though they weren't righteous, they stayed with David. There was many of the men, as we learned later on, um, it's like when they chased the, the 400, I think it was Amorites or whatever it was. Um, they chased them and recovered everything. They chased them for three days and so on. They, you know, they weren't, he's saying many of them were wicked, but God's spirit kept them strong and kept them together and kept them bound because they ate that bread. It was filled with the seven spirits of God that was there. It had been in the temple for the seven days. So what he did was that he then went and see, the interesting thing is when it's been there for the seven days, it means eating it on the eighth day. And the eighth day is a regeneration. It's like drinking the wine. It means get me to the end of this program, Lord, because see, David had been called. And then you see, and in, in, when he talks to the Lord in First uh, Samuel 22nd and 23, when he's fleeing from God, he calls himself the bondsman because he's bonded himself to the Lord. He ate that bread. He bonded himself to the Lord. He ate the bread of instruction of the kingdom of God. And when you eat the bread in the way of instruction, you're bonding yourself to the instruction of the Lord's words. And he'll guide you and cause you to know them. That's very important to understand. That's in First uh, Samuel um, 23. It talks in there several times, bondsman. Now, he ate that bread and Saul killed all 85 people of, uh, of the priest of the, and the family of the priest. And then he killed all the people in that city, children, donkeys, everything. Just like later on, we'd see the, the, the usurper Herod. Remember, the law of, uh, of, of Israel is that no one except from the line of uh, David can be a king over, the, and nobody outside in the house of Israel had to be from Israel could be a ruler over the house of Israel. But he was an Edomite. He was not of Israel. And he was king at Israel at time of Jesus' death and so on. What people don't really understand many things is one of the things the Herod family did was when, when Nero was in power, they took taxes. King, the king Herod at that time took taxes from the people and sent it to Herod so he could build this city. I think it was called Nicholas city called Nicholas, or Nickel something, and uh, built it there for the purpose of having uh, sporting events. It was like the real foundation of this thing that we call Nicolaitans. Now, Nicolaitans, the, the basic principle of that is that they are a people who justify their in, you know, bad doctrine. It's like if you look at the people of Matthew seven twenty one to 23, that are lawless because they will not hear the words of God and don't want to believe the scriptures like John seventeen seventeen Psalms 119, 142. They're Nicolaitans. They're lawless. Lawless because they compromise the scriptures. They compromise the Sabbath day even though they know it's wrong. Oh, it's okay. They compromise and make Christmas even though they know it's wrong. It's okay. You know, we're, we're believing in God. We're celebrating his birthday and we're setting aside a special day for him and our kids. No, you're celebrating on a pagan holiday. His birthday is in uh, right at the end of Elu. It is not. It could be on Rosh Hashanah even. 
But it's then. It's not, not when they say it is. It's a sad thing. I, I think that he was probably born on the 23rd or whatever it was because the eighth day should have been the day they circumcised him, which I believe the eighth day is the, and it could be that it was Rosh Hashanah. Many people say that is it, the, the scribes, and many people say it's then. But really, uh, eighth day is the day that he's set apart to God, which is what Rosh Hashanah is really celebrating. So that's why I think it may be before that was his birthday, but right in that time was his birthday. Not Christmas. So Nicolaitans, it's like the Olympics, and they did the occult, and people do the sporting events, and they go to all these things on the Sabbath days instead of setting it apart to God. Because all the Nicolaitans take anything they can make an excuse of to have fun. You know, we got to build a gymnasium in our church to get the kids come in, or we got to have a Super Bowl party because they won't come to the church that night. That's Nicolaitans. They have no concept of the law of God or the words of the times. They don't know the season they're in. That's a Nicolaitan. God hates Nicolaitans, as he says in Revelation 2, in two different places. So we, have, we need to understand that. But as David was uh, doing this in, in Hereth, is a place of dry things. But David, in that particular place, in that, that's in 1 Samuel 22, he's talking about the fact, Hereth means dry, and it was very dry, but David doesn't matter where he goes, he's going to make him lie down in green pastures. See, green pastures are different than what we think. What means in green pastures is that every morning the dew lands on him from God. So if you lie down in green pastures, meaning you lie down in the morning time that God makes known the words to you through the Spirit of God. So in the evening you ask your question, the morning you rise up. That's what he's talking about, lie down in green pastures. Because you know in the morning the Spirit's going to cause you to know. Even if you're laying in your bed and you understand the way of God, he's going to pour out his word upon you in the morning. He's going to cause you to know it. What you ask him at night, he usually calls you to know it in that morning, or he's going to cause you to know it at the time you need to know it. Sometimes you shouldn't know this till that time because it's going to come when you can really understand it. But God's going to make the answer known because you asked it. If you're walking in the way of the words, it will come to you. So that's what he's talking about, the lie down in green pastures. He's getting the knowledge. He causes him first off to get the way of the words. And then he says, he leads me by side still waters. This is the way of the words of wisdom. See, the waters, listen to what the word says in Revelation seventeen fifteen. The, the waters where the harlot sits is the multitudes, nations, the, the peoples, and their languages. Still waters are waters of peace. That means people set apart to God that have the right to call upon him because he's coming to take peace away from the world, which is the words of God. They give understanding that make peace. They have understanding to overcome the world. And so when he says that, he's talking about the words of wisdom, the way of the second spirit of God. And he restores my soul. That means he gives us understanding. In other words, instead of wanting to be like those of the world, we gain understanding of the promises of God. Now that we have the words of God, we want to understand how to use them, how to overcome these things. And he leads me in the path of righteousness. He's rising up. Righteousness, the fourth spirit of God, is counsel of the Lord. Psalms 119, 105 says that his words guide him in paths of righteousness. By his words. He, his words put light in his path. And he tells us in Psalms 119, 9, that it's by the words of God that a young man is corrected. 
this path is made. I don't remember the exact wording there, so, but you get the idea. It's the counsel of the Lord. And he does that for what? For his namesake, because Jesus is the fourth spirit, is his counsel, his spirit that judges us. And he wants us, his desire is that we all come to knowledge of truth. In other words, be saved and come to knowledge of truth. If we're separated by his words and have the wisdom and understanding, and then we can get the counsel of God to what to do at the right time. For his namesake, because if we do them at the right time, we're going to give glory to God. See, that, that, it's very important we understand how to do that. So he's telling you what the way of the four, four spirits are here, that we, he tells us we must ride those four horses. We must get these things. All things are done this way. His creation was done this way. The four rivers coming out of the Garden of Eden were done that way. Each one of them did the work. The first one had the first spirit. The second one, they did the work of the words of wisdom, the ways, right on on. Remember, Satan could only test Jesus three times. He didn't dare test him the fourth time because the fourth time is God's counsel, the Lord's counsel. The, if he would have tested him a fourth time, Jesus could have uh, destroyed him right then. The devil was smart enough. Only test three times. Don't go to the fourth time. Not at that moment. Come back another day. So he left him alone at that time because the fourth one was the counsel of the Lord. Jesus answered him in the way of the words, the way of the spirits, for the first three answers. The fourth one, ha. and he won the victory and the, the angels came and nourished him, increased his strength even more as he defeated the devil and got him ready for the next time. Okay, so you have the tsunami coming, but what does it say here? If you have the words of wisdom, he leads, he leads me beside still waters. What happened when he showed us the crossing of the Red Sea? When the enemies are about ready to destroy them, there was no way that you could get out of that destruction. God opened the path in the waters and took them out with his rod and his staff. So go down to verse 4 in Psalm 23. It says, even when I walk in the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil for you, Lord, are with me. Your rod, your staff will comfort me. Didn't Moses use the staff for the destruction of the Lord and the wind came and removed the seas? And in the meantime, the dark cloud kept the armies of Pharaoh back and they couldn't come until it was too late. And then he let them come into the, the waters, the wilderness of the waters where they're going to be destroyed. See, the same thing is going to happen at this time. If they come against his people, he promised them Zechariah fourteen twelve. what's going to happen to them. In other places, he said in the Bible that he's going to open up the, the sea. He's even shown people, there's a great prophecy back in November 2009. It showed that the tsunami was, I mean, the waters were pulled back. Before a great tsunami comes, the waters get sucked backwards, and then a tsunami will come. And that water was pulled backwards, and the Lord was showing this prophet. He took a ball of light out of him, put it in an iron cage, locked it up, and threw it out in the bottom of the sea. And there was many of these lights out there. And the guy says, oh, he's saving that for a time. No, foolish one. It means that your light has been taken out of you. What is the light? The entrance of his words. He took the right to those light, the words away from these people, locked it in a cage and threw an iron cage and threw it into the sea. The sea was empty at that time. He's showing us that, listen, I'm going to cause a wilderness. That's why he tells them they're going to be fly, he's going to fly, flee away and the, the western sea will be behind them and the eastern sea in front of them. See, the Western Sea is the deepness of the darkness. And God is going to put him in between. He's going to have the, the Eastern Sea, which is him, the way of the words and all the works against them. And then there's going to be an opening and they're in the bottom of the sea. 
and what's happening there. He's going to punish them there. If they don't turn and repent to the Lord, they're going to be destroyed. Because at the end of the time, at the end of the, the 24 and a half years of the, end, the day of the Lord, when the, when the Lord comes back to destroy the Antichrist, and that day will be known, um, he, he, he's going to come back because he says it's, it's going to be exactly at the end of the 42 months. That's pretty obvious to know. And he tells you when to start counting that. Because you count it with the, uh, the time, he says, there'll be 30 days from the, when those guys, when, when the two witnesses go up, that's when you count the, the 42 months. There'll be 30 days where they get their power and so on. I mean, they have the power at that point, but the, the Antichrist uh, starts putting in the mark of the beast at that time. The mark of the beast are trying to do now, they won't succeed in this. They're doing things that are like a mark of the beast at this time, but that's, we're going to overcome that. This, this isn't the mark that, see, the mark at that time is different. God is not destroying us for the marks we have right now. We don't know that we have the marks that they put in us with the food and all the other stuff. But they will know that mark when that comes. And it's to be a tattoo. The Bible says it's a tattoo. So it'll be on them. They'll be able to see it. It'll be, it might be invisible on the hand, but it, it, it's going to be done because they can actually take the barcode and they can actually use the, the tissues of our body and cause them a line in a certain way. I was sat in a meeting, a scientific meeting, where they said that exact thing. They don't need a chip. They can write it right in the body and everybody can be scanned by that. They write it right in the tissue and it'll be on their forehead and on there. You can't get around it. It's going to be a destruction of the flesh. See, it's not, you're not going to see it, but it's like putting a tattoo on the flesh. Remember that the Lord tells us not to have tattoos. Why? Because it's symbol of that. And people say the chip and all the rest of that. They, they want to create something. They don't understand. Believe what Jesus says. I've been in scientific meetings. I know that's fact. They can do that. And you'll be able to read it in any bar can, scanner. Okay, but the Lord says... Your rod and your staff, they'll comfort me, as David says in here. Awesome. Because you can understand that he says he'll lead you beside still waters. Did not Jesus destroy the sea? He said, peace be still. What is still waters in the kingdom of heaven? He said that the waters are the peoples of multitudes, nations, languages. Still waters. In other words, he walked right through the people when they had a stone to throw them at him. They couldn't do anything about it because it's the will of God to go right through it. You can either walk through that tsunami or you can stand still. Whatever God leads you to do, you will do and you'll come through it. If your faith is in the words of God and the promises of God, it cannot be broken because he says he's going to separate his people away from these of the world. You can also have what it says in Revelation 12, 15 to 17. It says the earth will open its mouth and swallow the flood. This is the flood coming from the dragon's mouth. In other words, the words of the devil are in these armies and the crown trust, the queen and Rothschild, who are directing all this, their flood is coming. These tsunamis, the weapons, the bombs, the rest of it are coming from them. That's a flood of the dragon's mouth. And the earth will open its mouth and swallow them. Also, the earth can open up its mouth and send up a cloud of mist and cover you. They cannot see. You can put a cloud around you. cannot see you. The cloud can consume the, the things, the missiles and whatever, and reduce them to powder. Doesn't it say that in Zechariah fourteen twelve that it says that those who come against the, the, the Lord, their eyes will dissolve in their uh, eye socket and their uh, tongues will dissolve in their mouth. 
Understand that the eye is the lamp of the body, but the eye is also the works and the, and the ways of the words that we do. The tongue is the words that we speak. They dissolve the powder. When you see these things coming, you have the authority of God that his word is greater than those words and he will dissolve theirs to powder. When you look at them and look at them in the remembrance of the words of God and his promises without fear, they will dissolve. And they dissolve, they fall apart in particles because understand that the Lord said in Isaiah, I think it's 42, 1, um, that the, um, he numbered the host and gave him a name. A name means the work they're given to do. The work of the kingdom they're given to do. And the number is their um, time. It's the measurement, their time, their, what they're supposed to be a part of at a certain time. When God says at this time his people will pass through the judgments, they don't have authority over that. If the people are set apart by the words, they have authority over all those things. Those those bombs will uh, fall to powder. The, um, the tsunami, you'll pass through those. And remember that every morning he's going to wake you up with understanding. He'll make you lie down in green pastures. Green pastures means that he's going to cause his word to be known to you every day fresh. So you'll know what to do. And it's very interesting that the people are being told in prophecies that in the morning they will know what to do and they'll have time to leave. See, when David was fleeing from these people, Saul's men that were trying to kill him in every place he'd go, that the people there weren't of the word of God and they weren't like some of them had um, the one place, and I can't remember the names of these places, uh, but they had um, walls in doors uh, of their in their city, and it, what what happened with those is that David, if he stayed there, they would have blocked it in because they're going to do what the king is. And you have to understand at this time, your neighbors and everybody else, as the Lord says, the neighbors are going to fight against each other at this time because they're going to do what the kings or the leaders say to do if they're not set apart to God. So David would inquire to God, "Will these people kill me?" Will these people turn me over to Saul? And the Lord told him, yes. So David went to wherever he could go. It doesn't matter where you go. When God tells you to go, God will be with you constantly. And he was showing that to David. You make me lie down. Your rod and your staff comfort me. He always was receiving the correction because he'd been anointed to be king. He was going to be king. And therefore, God was going to deliver him to be king. But he had no right to take away the king that God was allowing to rule until he was finished with him. But God kept him until his time. And he cried out for Saul. I mean, if you would go to, to uh, I think it's Second Samuel 1, David there is a, the lament for Saul. He, he's, he's, and jo, Jonathan, he's saying how terrible it is. He even killed the guys that came um, with, uh, to bring him the news. Of it because it was wrong. But the the thing about it is is that um, David sang a lament for them, and he but he said something really important. He said, "Teach the people the battle bow. Teach the sons of Judah the battle bow." See the bow. If you go to Zechariah four, you'll learn that the bow is one of the words of God. It's what he's saying is teach them how to speak the bow, how to, how to understand the words of God and how to speak them. will overcome all the enemies. And he overcome the Philistines. Impossible. The army was wiped out. 
David had 600 men. They had millions of people. And they had, they had taken over all of Israel, including Judah. And yet he drove them out. See, nothing's impossible with God when you have the words of God, the knowledge of God, and an understanding of the scriptures. At this time, we are not to strike. See, we're, we're like in the days of Moses. He was trying to teach them. You know, they didn't want the words. They wanted to be taught by preachers, and God put the law in that he didn't want to put in, as, as um, Paul teaches us in Second Ephesians 3, I think it is. He's, he's telling us he didn't want the law. He wanted to teach the people in their minds and their hearts. He wanted to write, and that's what he's got to do at this time. He wants to write the words of God on your heart. And he's going to take, like, circumcision. He's going to circumcise your heart and cut away all the darkness so that you only think good. And you'll love your fellow man. And you'll know love that you never knew before. And you won't have the dark thoughts. God's going to circumcise us of that darkness. So cut it away from us. We're going to understand the way the words and understand how to live in the kingdom. That's what we have to come to. I hope this has helped you. This is a way that you can overcome the world and you're going to have no fear of these tsunamis and so on. Yeah, you're going to have straight, you know, you're going to be concerned and all those things. But if you understand what I've just told you and understand what the scriptures say and quit listening to the preachers that will not teach you the knowledge of truth, the knowledge of the words of God. You know, not the whole scriptures. I'm talking about the, the whole Bible bears witness to the words of God. That's the purpose of it. See, the words of God is the words that, can, that unlock the promises of God that are our inheritance. He's reserved these for his people who will listen to him and set themselves apart by this. If you read Matthew seven twenty one to 23, these people did miracles in his name. They, they, you know, they believed in the spirit. They believed in the blood. They believed in all these things, but it didn't save them. And they weren't set apart to come into the married supper of the Lamb because they were lawless. They would not receive the words when the words were opened for them to receive. This is your inheritance. If you will not receive the inheritance and do not take it serious enough, you're just like Esau. God hated Esau. He hates the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Same. Esau, Nicolaitans, same concept. All right, I appreciate your patience with me tonight. It's a little bit long. I'll end here. Thank you, Lord. We've asked this of you, dear God, and spoken to you about this. And Father, we just praise you for it. We ask you, Lord, that your spirit would go out and make this message known to the people. Let them understand, dear Lord, you've provided the answers. It's not being taught. They don't know what to do. They don't, many of them don't even know they're in trouble. And Lord, they don't understand. They must come out of the world or be destroyed because you're not going to protect those who will not hear you. That's a law of God, and there's nothing you can do about that. Because this is God's will, that he sets apart a people that will listen to him, will hear him, will come out, will give him glory. Lord, we pray they'll understand this. We ask this in thy precious and thy holy name, that you remove, dear Lord, the darkness from our hearts, forgive us for our sins, and help us, dear Lord, to be purified so that we're ready, dear Lord, when you want to give us that white garment. And that white garment, Lord, let the people understand, that's the likeness of going back in the Garden of Eden. Dear Lord, that's getting healed. That's getting tattoos automatically removed. That's getting all the destruction inside of us. And restoring the women, dear Lord, because, dear Lord, we're going back to the likeness of the Garden of Eden. That curse of the earth will be removed for us. That curse of labor will be removed from the women. Lord, I pray that they'll understand, dear Lord, the greatness about what's happened. This is the greatest moment in biblical history that you've prepared for us through all the things that were done in the past. You've set the table for now. Lord, that's what you said. You set a table before us. 
Let us eat from that table the bread of instruction that's holy. We ask this in thy precious and thy holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.